Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Wise men from the east come to see Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and mirth. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. Good morning again. Um, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Emmanuel Church. And uh, it's such a joy to be able to worship with you all uh, this morning for our Lessons and Carols service. Uh, we've been listening to the Christmas story uh, as found in the Gospel of Matthew, the story of God coming down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, just for this, for this moment, uh, I would love for us to focus on one of the readings that we have heard already. And if you want to follow along, it's the second reading from today. It's on page eight in your bulletin. And something that, that we notice as we uh, take stock of Jesus' life is that he evoked many different responses from the people that he would spend time with. And in our passage here in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we're going to see how there were three different responses to who Jesus is. Uh, and so we'll look at first, people who are uninterested. Secondly, people who feel threatened. And then lastly, people who worship. So first, we'll see people who are uninterested. Now, by the time of the second chapter of Matthew, uh, Jesus, he's already been born. It's been about a year or two after his birth. And uh, there are these wise men who are traveling to Jerusalem looking for who they believe to be is the king of the Jews. But we know that there's already a king 
in this area, and his name is Herod. And the wise men ask Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And so in turn, Herod, he goes to the the Jewish religious leaders, the experts, the chief priests, the scribes, to make sense of what these wise men are talking about. And so these Jewish experts, they go through their whole knowledge base of the Old Testament, and they come to the Old Testament prophet of Micah. And they quote chapter 5, verse 2 there. And so the answer to the question of the wise men, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? The answer is Bethlehem. But notice how the Jewish experts, they, they seem to treat this like it's this Bible trivia game. Where has the king of the Jews been born? Answer, Bethlehem. It's so matter-of-fact. Whereas the wise men, when they show up, they come with curiosity. They're wondering if maybe there is something extraordinary and special that is happening, and they want to witness all of that. But the Jewish leaders, they, they don't share these sentiments. There's, there's zero wonder on their part. There, there's no thought to ask the wise men, hey, can we come with you? The chief priests and the scribes, they are uninterested in Jesus. And, and for those of us who consider ourselves Christian, aren't there moments when we're not all that interested in Jesus either? When we say his name at the end of prayers, there are times where we just say it more out of habit than out of a a real desire to engage with God himself. Especially in this Christmas season, are we more captivated by the window displays in our city than we are by the fact that the God of the universe has come down to us in the person of Jesus? Has the wonder of Christmas become mundane and stale? But the good news of the Christmas story is that God has never been and never will be uninterested in any of us. He desires to know us. He wants to reveal himself to us. This is the promise of Christmas, that God in the person of Jesus Christ has showed up revealed himself to people who are eager to meet him, and even to those of us who are uninterested. So when faced with the reality of Jesus, we might be people who are uninterested, but we'll now see, secondly, people who feel threatened by Jesus. Uh, Herod, he was appointed king uh, for the region of Judea by the Roman government, And he was extremely accomplished and competent at what he did. But underneath all of that competency was this paranoia about losing power. So much so, we know that he had his wife and at least two of his sons killed so that they could never be able to take over the throne. He was also known for his oppressive rule over the Jewish community, so much so that he laid heavy taxes on them so that they never would be able to be in a position to revolt against him. 
And so when the wise men show up asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? The text says in verse 3 that Herod was troubled. And this word means that, that Herod, he was in turmoil. He was terrified, so much so that he goes into panic mode. Herod believes that, that Jesus is a threat to his power and authority. And so what does he do? He asked the wise men about the timing of the star that brought them to Jerusalem because he's trying to figure out for himself when was Jesus born. And then following our passage, what we learn is that Herod, he uses this information to then order the killing of all the boys under the age of two in Bethlehem, hoping that Jesus is one of them. And this is what he does because he's so threatened and he's so terrified of Jesus. The chief priests and the scribes, they were uninterested towards Jesus, but Herod was the complete opposite. He knew all too well who Jesus was, but in Herod's mind, he might be thinking, there's only room for one king in this town, and that is me. And aren't there moments when we also feel threatened by God and by what he says? Are are, Are there things and teachings of Jesus that make us uncomfortable? When Jesus calls us to to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, can we actually do that? When God calls us to care for the vulnerable in our midst, the homeless, the refugee, the single parent, do we secretly hope that someone else is going to do that? When God calls us to be generous with all that we have? Do we, do we set up limits in our head thinking that if we, if we meet those limits that we've made ourselves, then we'll be okay? As Jesus reveals more and more of himself, it doesn't take long before something about him, it does feel threatening. And so where is there good news for us when we feel threatened by God? When we look at this king of the Jews that Herod was so threatened by, we do not see a king who is so full of himself and hungry for more and more power. But in Jesus, we see a king who is willing to give his power away so that people like you and me could have life and flourishing life. In Jesus, we see a king who uses his power not to crush any of us, but instead he wants to crush the evil that is causing all the brokenness that is in our world. In Jesus, we see a king descending from heaven, not to ascend to an earthly throne, but he descends from heaven to eventually ascend a cross where he would die, he would rise again, so that a day would come where there would be an end to all that is wrong with our world. And if we begin to see Jesus as this kind of a king, we, we won't be people who are uninterested. 
We won't feel threatened by God, but instead we'll be people who worship. And this moves us to our our final point. Uh, In verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, not a lot is said about these wise men, but the one thing we do know is that they were not Jewish. They were from the east, so most likely somewhere like Persia or Babylon. And this is what is so ironic about our passage. The chief priests and scribes, they are not the ones running to Jesus. Herod is the one who wants to take Jesus out. But it's these non-Jewish men from the east that are utterly attracted and drawn to the king of the Jews. And here is a sneak preview for us that Christianity will have this wide and global reach for all people. The wise men were probably the last people that any of the readers of Matthew's gospel would have expected to be the ones wanting to worship Jesus. If we look back to the Old Testament, we know that there are stipulations prohibiting any kind of magic or sorcery. And yet, it was people from a distant land who didn't speak Hebrew as their first language. They studied the stars They drew meaning from them. These were the people that God was drawing to himself. The most unexpected people are the ones who are attracted to Jesus. And so for the wise men, they're not only attracted to him, but they finally meet him. When the wise men arrive in Bethlehem, our text says that they were filled with joy. They know that their long journey wasn't for nothing because finally they are going to meet the person that they have set out to meet from their homeland. And when they arrive to where Jesus is, all that they can do is fall down and worship him. And then they honor Jesus with these extravagant gifts. Only those in royalty at the time were were the ones receiving gifts of gold. Frankincense and myrrh, there were these expensive, fragrant spices. So the wise men, they they worship, they honor Jesus with this over-the-top display of generosity. And and notice that the wise men, they, they prepared these gifts in advance. They knew that they were going to see somebody special. And once the wise men saw Jesus, their immediate response was to fall down, worship him. They honored him with these lavish gifts. And so what would honoring Jesus look look like for us? I think one way that we could honor Jesus is by seeing people the way that he sees them. To love our neighbors in such a way where no one will ever feel less than. For those that are single, that they would not feel insignificant comparing themselves to those who are married and have children. The poor would know that they have something to offer to any of us. 
and, and those who are struggling with ongoing sin and with brokenness, that they would know that the church would never shun them away. And so who are the people around you that the world treats as less than? Maybe there's an opportunity for us as a church to affirm their God-given dignity and worth. And by doing so, we show them the beauty of Jesus. We show them how Jesus will never be uninterested in them. God in the person of Jesus, when he sees us, he stops to notice us. He knows our names. He loves being with us. And we also show our neighbors that Jesus, he's, he's not a threat towards any of us, but he is a threat towards the evil that is causing all of the brokenness of the world, that he sacrificed his life, that, he, that we would be able to have life to the full. Jesus, he died on the cross to put an end to all that is wrong with the world and begin the work of making all things new again. And so when we encounter this Jesus, may we respond with worship. May we honor him, rejoice in all that he has done. And may we show the world that the gospel really is good news. Would you join me as I pray? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for Christmas. We thank you, God, that every year we celebrate the fact that you have come down to us in Jesus to put an end to all that is broken in our world, to mend things that have been torn apart, <clears throat> and for us to know that there truly is salvation and rescue. And God, with this good news that has come to us, I pray, God, that you would shape and transform our church to be one that is known to go out and to see the world as you do and to invite people into this beautiful story that we would be known to worship you, to be generous to others, to love our neighbors as ourselves so that the beauty of Jesus would be on display all the time. And so God, be with us. Give, give us the power of your spirit to do this. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.